You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Good morning. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 20 today. If you don't have your Bibles, they'll be on the screen. You can always download the uh, Bible app from the App Store and follow along there as well. But we're in the middle of a series that we've been calling Iconic. We've been looking at the life of Jesus and, and different interactions and different teachings he had throughout that life and how it made it so iconic and, and how do we get to experience that uh, today uh, as followers of Christ if you are. Um, but we're going to continue this series. This is towards the end of it. It's this week and one more week. Come back next week and our very own Eileen will be teaching for the first time. So come support her and say lots of amens. Even if it's bad, still amen her. Just to make, make her feel good. She can keep going. Uh, unless she says something hereditary and then let's just burn her at the stake. Uh, just kidding. We wouldn't do that. Let me pray for us and we'll, we'll dive into God's word today. Lord Jesus Um, God, you tell us that where two or more of us are gathered, your presence is there, your power is there. Um, So God, thank you. Um, Thank you that we get to meet with you today. God, thank you that uh, we got to worship you today. God, thank you that um, we get to talk about your word today and try to apply it to our lives. God, thank you for the compassion that you have for us, the love that you have for us. Um, God, thank you for the grace that you so freely pour out on us. Um, You are a good God, and for that we give you great praise. Amen. So today in, in John 20, when we look at verse 24, we're, we're looking at uh, Thomas's story. If you don't know who Thomas is, he's, he's one of the disciples. Um, he's one of the disciples early on in, in Jesus's ministry. He kind of picked him up, or at least that's what's assumed. And um, we don't actually have an account of when uh, Thomas became a disciple of Jesus, but he's been around a long time. If you spend any time in the church, you've probably heard the name for Thomas. We've nicknamed him. We call him Doubting Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas because of, of this specific set of verses, but we're going to dig into it a little bit more and I'm doubting Thomas might not be a fair uh, representation of who Thomas is. Um, so we're going to kind of dig into that idea. But we're looking at Thomas and Jesus' interactions with Thomas here in verse 24. Before we get to verse 24, let me just give you a little bit of background. I'll just read these verses. They won't be on the screen um, of essentially what's happening. So if you don't know what's going on in the story in, in John 20, Jesus was just crucified. Three days later, he is now resurrected. He has come back to life um, and he's now introducing himself um, his new, in his new body to different individuals, uh, his disciples, some other followers that were women, um, and various others along the way. So this, is, uh, this story picks up uh, in verse 19. Let me read it for you. On the evening of the first day of the week after uh, Jesus' death, this would be Sunday, um, when the disciples uh, were together with the doors locked um, because of the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them uh, his hands and his side. Remember, his hands were pierced, his side was, was pierced. Um, and the disciples were overjoyed that they saw the Lord. Uh, skip ahead to verse 24, our verses for today. Now Thomas, um, one of the twelve, remember he spent three years walking with Jesus. He knew Jesus intimately, um, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And this is where Thomas gets his moniker of uh, Doubting Thomas, uh, second part of verse 25. But he said to them, Unless I see the, marks, or see the nail marks in his hands, and I put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, 
I will not believe. If you don't know Thomas's story that well, it, it, it's a pretty crazy statement for him to make. And because Thomas was the guy, when, when Lazarus died, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. We talked about this a few weeks ago, um, if you want to go back and listen to it. But uh, Lazarus was a friend of, of Jesus. He died. Jesus came three days later, and he uh, brought Lazarus back from the dead. You may know that story if you've spent any time in the church. Um, but in the midst of that story, as they're wrestling with whether or not they should go back and, and, and save Lazarus or not, um, Thomas is, is famously recorded in that saying, let's go back and let's get ready to die. Um, because Bethany, where Lazarus was, was near Jerusalem, and the Jewish leaders were in Jerusalem getting ready and plotting to kill Jesus. There was plenty of threats around, and, and Thomas was right there with Jesus. He's like, Jesus, if that's where you need to go, I'm going with you, and if I need to die for you, I'm dying with you. That's some pretty strong faith. I would guess most of us, if we were really honest with ourselves, dying for Jesus is going to be a real hard decision to say yes to. Like that, that's a difficult one. We'd love to think that we would say yes, but if we were really honest with ourselves, we'd probably be like, yeah, Jesus, you go ahead. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to pray for you, right? But he was in the fight. Thomas had great faith. And then Thomas got to this place where he wasn't even with the disciples. That makes you wonder why. Say, so think of this moment, just like all the disciples, they were crushed. Like, put yourself in Thomas's shoe, right? We, we have the benefit of looking back at the story and seeing all the elements and knowing how the story played out. Thomas, being in the midst of it, just watched his Messiah die. All these dreams he had of the new kingdom, all these dreams he had of what was going to be, crushed in a moment when he saw Jesus take his last breath. He thought it was over. Sure, he saw Jesus bring others back to life, but bring yourself back to life, that's, that's something different. That seems bigger. And I think oftentimes we can relate, maybe not to the same extent, but we can relate to this, this feeling where we've asked God for something over and over and over again. Or we thought that God was in the midst of something and then everything shifted at the last moment and you thought the dream was over. We've been talking a lot about faith and trusting God throughout the iconic series and, and what happens if it doesn't play out like we thought it was going to. See, the reality was it wasn't just Thomas that was crushed. The disciples were crushed. The disciples thought the story was over. But they were still gathering because that's what they do. We don't know where Thomas was. We don't know if it was a bad thing that he was missing or it was, it was just an you know, accepted thing that he maybe had other responsibilities he had to take care of, but he definitely wasn't there. He stopped hoping, as the disciples did. And stopping hoping, stop hoping is, is easier. Right? Over the last few months, God has been teaching me and in my own life that hope, hope died a long time ago that it's a lot easier to just not ask for God for things than to ask God for things and not come through. And here we are, you know, Hill City with, with the moniker on, on our wall as you walk in, this is where hope lives. But hope takes courage. Hope takes a willingness to be hurt if you're not, if you're not exactly aligned with what God is doing. It takes courage and, and hope to believe that even if it doesn't play out the way that I've pictured, I've dreamed of in my head, that it's still going to be okay. But it takes hope to believe those things and to ask for those things and believe God in, in bigger things 
We read throughout the, the entirety of the Gospels and we see what Jesus can do. But it's really hard to hold on to those things. It's really hard to dream the big dreams. It's really hard to believe that Jesus is going to complete what he said he was going to complete. Because we're looking at everything around us and saying, how is God going to redeem this? How's God going to be able to pull out of this? This, this thing feels over. It feels dead. And this is where Thomas is sitting. I thought the kingdom was going to get restored. I thought, I thought Jesus was going to conquer the Romans. I thought we were going to get our land back. I thought he was our, our, our conquering king. And I watched him die. John 26. Keep going in this story. A week later, his disciples were at the house again. A week later. You know, they run to Thomas. They tell Thomas, we have seen Jesus. And Thomas is like, okay, maybe. I don't know. Like, I know you think you saw Jesus, right? We've all been in those situations. Or like, I think, I think you think you saw God do that. But I'm not going to believe until I see it with my own eyes. A week later, the disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with him. I think in that moment, Thomas just, just grabbed on to, we talked about a mustard seed faith just a few weeks ago. But I think he just grabbed on to whatever he had left. What little of hope he could, he could conjure together and bring together. And he's like, I'll just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think this God, that God's come back. I, I watched him die. I, I don't know what's really going on, but I'll give it one more shot. I'll have just enough hope. I'll, I'll show up one more time. So eight days after Jesus's resurrection, Thomas is there with the disciples sitting together. A week later, the disciples were at the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the, though the doors, was locked, the doors were locked, Jesus came, came, came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I find it really interesting that if you go back and look at the account in verse 19, the first time Jesus showed up to the disciples, that the, the accounts of, of, uh, of the story were identical. They're exactly the same. Right? They're all huddled up together in a locked house and somehow Jesus got through the wall or through a door. I don't know what he did. Uh, Jesus you know, pulled Casper and just floated through. Who, who knows what Jesus was up to? But he was just there among them. He said the same thing that he said before. He said, peace be with you. And then he did the same thing that he did for the disciples. He did for Thomas. In verse 27, he said, he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Much easier said than done. But just because he, he gangered up just enough hope to see this moment, what happens if he's given up? What happens if he's like, nah, I think he is. He's gone. He'll show up at some point in my life if he's still around. But I'm not going there. It's too much pain. That it hurts too much. It reminds me of all the things that I've lost. It reminds me of all the ways in which I feel like God disappointed me. I'm not going there. Could have been Thomas's re response. Could have just walked away and went back to his life and lived like Jesus never showed up. And I think oftentimes 
if we're honest with ourselves, we, we, we feel similar. Where life got too hard and it got too painful. Turned out drastically different than I expected. That The dream that I've been praying for just fell on its face. or I thought God was in something and it didn't come to be. You know, it's just a lot easier for me just not to hope and ask for things and just go through life. But that is the life that Jesus called us to. That isn't the life that you're able to, to be able to walk away at the end of it and say, man, what a ride. Look what Jesus did. It takes faith to have those things. Even if it's a mustard-sized, tiny little faith like Thomas, you just got to show up. So here's, here's the whole message in one single point. No matter how hard life gets, no matter how much the enemy is throwing lies at you that you're fighting off to try to believe, keep hoping. Keep hoping. What does it mean to keep hoping? You got to keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up where, where God's people are gathered. Keep showing up uh, to the table with Jesus. Keep showing up. If you're spending time with Jesus, keep spending time with Jesus. Even if your entire conversation is just you yelling at God, keep showing up. Because it's when we start to walk away that that, that little tiny, maybe a flame of hope that we did have just starts to dwindle and dwindle and eventually, eventually vanish. But keep showing up. And keep asking. Keep asking God for the things that you feel like He's placed on your heart. Keep asking. You may have heard that this idea, if you spend any time in the church, of, of you know, when we ask God for things, He gives us one of three answers. Right? It says yes, and gives it to you. Not always my experience. That's always a yes right away. If it's your experience, let me know. I have some things I'd love for you to pray for. <laughs> or it's wait. Not yet, but wait. Or nope. It's not going to happen. And I think in the midst of the asking, if God hasn't said no yet, keep asking. If you're sitting and waiting or you're sitting in yes, keep asking. Until the door has been completely closed and there's zero chance of, of hope and your community around you is saying, yeah, absolutely, there's nothing here anymore. You feel like God has told you no. Until those moments have happened, keep asking. We have to petition God. There's a level of faith that gets increased and built inside of us in the midst of waiting for things. Things that we won't be able to, to understand, things that we won't be able to experience unless we wait through those things. And it may be months of waiting. It may be years of waiting. We look at, the, at Anna at the, at the temple. We've talked about this before. But Anna was a prophetess before Jesus arrived. 87 years she went to the temple to pray and worship God, asking to see the Messiah in her lifetime. On the third day after Jesus was born, they brought Jesus to, to the temple um, as they were commanded to do in Jewish law, and she got to meet the Messiah. 87 years, she didn't stop praying. 87 years, she got to wait. Keep praying, wait. And she didn't give up. James tells us, you don't receive because you don't ask. Something I've been learning over the last three months is, I don't think I've ever petitioned God. I've asked for things. You know, as I think about them, as they come up, maybe I've taken a week to, to pray through something, but, but I've never really petitioned God. I haven't been that, that annoying, you know, uh, widow woman that we see Jesus talking about with the unjust judge. Uh, you can Google the story if you want to read it, but where she went back every day just begging this judge to show justice. 
to the point where the judge was just like, yeah, just to get you out of my sight. Like, I'll give you what you want. I don't think I've ever gotten to that point with God where you just keep asking. But for me to ask, I have to have the hope that he will still do. Right? That's the peace that I can't let die. That I have to keep asking. And the last one is keep believing. Keep believing that he is going to provide. He's going to provide the wisdom you need. He's going to provide the heart change that you need. He's going to provide in the physical way that you need. He's going to provide, but you've got to have hope that he's going to do it. If we're going to keep hoping, we have to keep showing up. I think the hope just dies off when we stop showing up. If we're going to keep the hope, we have to keep asking. We give up way too easily on things. We're too short-minded. And there's a work that God wants to do in you and around you and for others that you come in contact with that we're not experiencing because we just stopped asking. We stopped dreaming the big dreams. We stopped dreaming the things that were impossible unless God intervened because it's just a lot easier to live in the practical than in the spiritual. And don't stop believing He will provide. Until you get that no, He's still in it. And we don't understand God's ways, right? Isaiah tells us, quotes God saying, my ways are greater than your ways and my thoughts greater than your thoughts. Even we feel like we understand God's direction, oftentimes we, we get pieces of it you know, messed up because we just fully understand it because God just functions at a much higher level than we function. That we thought we were praying for this one thing in all reality, we were praying for this so much bigger thing. But for us to get to the bigger thing, God had us praying for the little thing. His ways aren't our ways. Oftentimes when he shows up and miraculous, we, we don't understand. It doesn't make sense. But you got to hold on to that glimmer of hope, especially when life gets dark, especially when things get hard, especially when you're like, God, where are you in the midst of this? That's a hard season. But it's a season that's building you for something greater. It's a season that, that's building you to have faith in the bigger when I started this season that I'm in today, three months ago, or 12 months ago, depending on where you want to put the, the starting flag, it started with selfish prayers that grew into miraculous dreams if God comes to be. But we got to keep showing up. We got to keep asking. We got to keep believing. Let's look back at those verses. Thomas is in the room this time. Jesus sees Thomas. Makes you wonder where Jesus was for seven days, but we won't get into any of that. But here the same account is happening seven days later, but the difference is Thomas is in the room. He looks at Thomas as oftentimes in the midst of our doubt, God looks at us and gives us what we need. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. I think oftentimes I read, stop doubting and believe like a command. Like, buck up. Like, put on your big boy britches and stop doubting and just start believing. But I don't think that's what, what Jesus was saying in this moment. I, I think in this moment, mainly because of, of Thomas's reaction, I think what was said was in great compassion and love for Thomas. I think what he was saying here was, Thomas... Stop doubting. It's going to be okay. Believe what I can do and what I've called you to do. 
in verse 28, Thomas's response. I think his response was probably full of tears in his eyes, wrapping his arms around Jesus' legs. My Lord and my God, it's really you. If you hang on long enough, Jesus is going to show up. And the waiting is hard. The waiting will beat it out of you. But if you can persevere through it, you're going to be that much stronger in your faith, believing God in bigger things. And Jesus is going to meet you in that place where you're going to be able to say, my Lord and my God, it is really you. But I think all too often we, we give up too soon. We stop believing, we stop asking, we stop showing up. And in the midst of that, our hope just vanishes. Having hope that Jesus is going to do something, having hope that, that God's going to show up, having hope, that's the thing, like there's a risk and there's a courage in that. Because it is a lot easier just not to hope. It's a lot easier not to dream big dreams. It's a lot easier to believe God you know, isn't as actively involved as, as he was during the gospel times. It's easier that way. And then people can look at my faith and they don't see, need to see the dark days of my faith. It'll just be all rainbows and, and butterflies because I, I don't really get into the depths of it all. But the day I take my last breath and I get to stand before my God, I don't want him to say, you missed out on so much more. Like I had so much for you to do and you just didn't believe anymore. The impact that you could have had, but you, I don't know, you gave up along the way. We don't want to be those people. We want to be those people that we get to the end of our life taking our last breaths and man, Jesus, what a ride. Not, not something you say, something you genuinely believe. God, I never thought you would send me there. I never thought you would plant me in that place. I never thought that you'd be able to do what you did in me and through me. This is the craziest of dreams. If you started me out here, God, when I first came to know you, I would never have believed you. But in those dark times, in those times of waiting, in those times of testing of my faith, those times that genuine growth started to happen inside of me, that's what I needed to get to those big things. I think oftentimes we look at pain and we look at, at times, we, you know, we can look at, at David's Psalms. Psalms are a book in the Old Covenant uh, that, that are recorded prayers, essentially, for lack of a better term. And I think it wasn't until recently that I fully understood David, one of David's Psalms where he says, God, how long are you going to turn your face from me? How long, God, are you not going to answer my prayers and not listen to me? And we now look at David as, as a man after God's own heart that ushered in the Messiah. I think God has bigger dreams for your life than you realize because it's too scary to dream those dreams. Now, I'm not saying selfish dreams. You have selfish dreams. James tells us God doesn't answer your prayers because they're all selfish in nature. We're talking about dreams for the kingdom. Dreams are going to change the world around you. Like God's brewing something in there. And he's not brewing something in there, at least you don't feel like he's bringing something in there, keep asking him what that something is because I believe there's something there. But just get ready. You're going to have moments where you think the dream's dead. 
You're going to have moments like Thomas where you're like, there's no way God's going to be able to pull this through. But we keep asking. We keep showing up. We keep believing. We're going to see some remarkable things. We're going to be able to be a decade from here and we're going to talk about things and, and miraculous things that have happened among our community like they're nothing. You're like, oh, you remember that one time where that one thing happened? Where God shifted time so it could happen for you? Right? God's already doing work. We see it over and over again. It's hard to, to, to trust God for the next thing and to remember all the things he's done for you up to that point. And we're forgetful people. But like we were looking at August in all honesty and, and majority of the room knows that this is a shock to you. I'm, I'm so sorry. But we were looking at August like I have no idea how we're going to pay our, our rent. <laughs> Not a clue. And now we're sitting right now two weeks before and we have plenty of money in the bank to pay our rent. And now we're looking at September 1. Like, ah, oh, we have no idea. But God did August. He'll do September. But it's in that midst of trusting God. that God's building something inside of you. Building deeper and greater faith. You want to see the great things of God and what He really can do. You want to see Him flex some muscles and watch Him change the world around you. It takes people of faith, right? We say it all the time. Faith is the currency of the kingdom, right? That, that's what you spend. That's what you have to have to be able to see the miraculous happen around you. But faith is only built in hard times, in the struggle, in persevering through, through the difficulty to get to the other side and then the faith cashes in and we get to see what God has done. But I want to be a people of God, a community of God that gets to see the miraculous done day in and day out that it becomes so commonplace for us because we are great people of faith. But get, to get to that place, it's that mustard size faith. It's that mustard size belief. That's all you got to have. That's where Jesus met Thomas. It's where Jesus will meet us and continue to grow it. It's not an easy process. It's not a fun process. Oftentimes until the reward on the other side. But, but man, is it worth it? Man, does it matter? And this is what we're getting called to do. Now, we only get this type of faith by knowing Jesus. We know Jesus by recognizing who he is and what he did. Right? We know that, that Jesus is the son of God. He lived a perfect life. And he died on a cross for your sins and my sins so we can be restored back to the Father. So we can talk to God and that God talks back. There's a mind-blowing idea. But Jesus tells us if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that he died and rose again, that you would be saved. You would start this journey with him. And if that's a decision you haven't made yet, I highly encourage you to do it. This ain't an easy ride but I don't think there's any more fulfilling ride you could ever live in this life than to walk with Jesus and see what Jesus will do. First steps, if you're making that decision today or you've made that decision and haven't taken this step, is to go public with what we call baptism. Um, our baptismal is ready to go. It's actually probably pretty hot because I don't think we turned it off this morning. Um, so it'll be a nice jacuzzi bath, hot uh, baptismal today. Better than cold because let's be honest, most of the time we forget to turn it on and it's really cold. Um, but the baptismal is ready to go. It's the public profession of faith. It's saying, yes, I want everyone in this room to know, and from this point forward, that I am a follower of Jesus, that I have died to my old ways, and I've been raised new in Christ, and I believe he is the Lord and the Messiah of my life. Um, when we go into this next worship center, or this next worship set, I'll be in the back of the room. If you want to get baptized today, we have everything you need. We'll get you baptized. Um, we have clothes. 
um, towels, all the fun stuff. Um, but come up to me. Let's talk about it. Let's get you baptized today. Let's get you go public with your faith and start this relationship, this journey with Jesus, this journey of faith where we get to see the miraculous if we keep hoping and seeing it come to be. Let me pray for you. Father God, God, I thank you that you're not just a belief system. God, that you're not just an, an idea or a, a way of life, God, but that you're our everything. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to the cross. God, I thank you you sent Jesus to the cross so we can be restored back to you and we can have a relationship, a genuine, real, actual relationship with you. We get to meet with you and hear from you and, and, and bring our requests to you. God, I thank you that, that you're brewing something inside of this community, inside of our hearts of, of bigger things, of things that are going to take um, your hand at work to see us fulfill them or them come to be. God, we thank you that, that you call us to so much more, more than, than we think we're even capable of. And God, I thank you that you grow us into those things. You don't demand from us and it's all off of self-effort, God, but it's your work inside of us that, that leads us to those results, those mountain-sized results. God, we love you. God, we love you with our utmost being. You are so, so good to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Thank you.